Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hi, this is Stu Hodem with Believe in the Media Guide on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? During the COVID-19 outbreak, the National Women's Soccer League was the first U.S. team sport to return. Its opening game on CBS June 27th drew 527,000 viewers. That's 201% higher than the previous NWSL record of 190,000 in 2014. The 527,000 also outdrew last year's most-watched regular season Major League Soccer game, which saw 462,000 viewers, according to SportsProMedia.com. While the NWSL moved to CBS All Access until CBS broadcast the final on July 26th, the MLS's back tournament will fill the domestic soccer void on broadcast and cable television, reaching new fans who seek live games before the MLB, NBA, and NHL are scheduled to return later this summer. Like the NWSL, which lost the Orlando Pride because of positive COVID-19 tests before its tournament began, the MLS will move forward without FC Dallas. The team withdrew on Monday as 10 players and a member of the technical staff tested positive for COVID-19. On Tuesday, MLS announced five Nashville SC players had confirmed positive COVID-19 tests since arriving at the ESPN Wide World of Sports Complex at the Walt Disney World Resort in Orlando. The league will evaluate Nashville SC's participation in the 54-match tournament following further testing. On Wednesday, July 8th, the group stage presented by Heineken begins. From July 25th through July 28th, the round of 16 knockout stage presented by Audi leads into the quarterfinals from July 30th through August 1st. The semifinals will be August 5th and 6th, and the final on August 11th, with the winner earning a spot in the 2021 CONCACAF Champions League. MLS Senior Vice President of Media Seth Bacon lays out the full U.S. and international broadcasting plan, with ESPN serving as the host broadcaster for the World Feed, while also broadcasting games on ESPN, ESPN2, and ESPN Deportes. On the broadcast side, all matches will be televised nationally in the U.S. on ESPN, ESPN2, Fox Broadcast Network, FS1, and 2DN. In Canada, TSN will carry every match of the MLS's back tournament, and TVA Sports will provide French-language commentary of not only the Montreal Impact matches, but also up to 10 to 12 additional U.S. versus U.S. matches and maybe additional games in the knockout stage as well. And then throughout the world, uh, through our international media partners, we'll be providing extensive coverage of the tournament as well. ESPN's vice president of production, Amy Rosenfeld, describes creating the world feed while also using it. This is really a unique situation. This is definitely a first in my career where we are the production services provider. In essence, we're creating the world feed, but we're also a client. We're our own client. So it's a, sort of a unique perspective. Rosenfeld, who has been with the worldwide leader in sports since 2007 and served as coordinating producer for soccer from 2011 through 2015 before assuming her current vice president of production role, says the network and the entire industry are upping their investment in these broadcasts. And Bacon affirms the investment on the league side from a resources and time on the ground perspective. 
this is, you know, more than double what we would typically use on an MLS regular season match. So, you know, it's without getting into details, you're all smart individuals, you know, think about what we're trying to execute here, right? You know, it's over a significant amount of days and uh, it's, you know, we're taking, uh, you know, dramatic, uh, sort of a, a dramatic plan to be really aggressive with equipment that we've, you know, not typically deployed. Um, you know, that, like I said, the audio array in and around the field is, you know, like 3x or 4x what we would normally do. So, yeah, it's, you know, it, it is going to be, it is an incremental load for sure. But we also felt with our partners at MLS that MLS needed to be back in a big way. You know, people are starved for sports. I'm starved for sports. My family is starved for sports. And we really want to deliver this beautiful game in a big, big way. But, you know, that costs bucks. There's no two ways about it. So I'm, I'm really proud of uh, all the broadcast partners because everyone could have shied away from this and everyone could have, you know, cried for and we're not. This is a commitment to soccer in this country. We've waited a long time. I've been involved with MLS since 1997. I'm really proud of what you know, MLS and ESPN, Fox, Univision, Canada, what, what we're all going to do here. So I think you'll see that it, it, it feels a little bigger than a regular season. Yeah, it, Amy, it, it said, I'll, I'll jump in on that too. I think you hit the, the nail on the head and especially the part about this is, this is everyone stepping up to the plate. Um, the league clearly is investing a lot of money, ESPN, all of our broadcast partners, because you know, the new reality of how we have to produce events and the way we have to produce television, uh, it just requires more planning. It requires more resources. You know, Amy and I talk, we're going to be in the same uh, TV compound for 60 days or 50 days, whatever the number is. And my guess is we'll spend roughly 20 minutes in eyesight of each other um, because we have to, you have to have more resources to socially distance people. So the number of trucks you need, the number of camera platforms you need, all of those things are there's amplification there because you have to be safe and you have to be smart. And when you're trying to create a big show, um, you know, all of those things compound. So uh, the, the level of investment and the, the level of partnership across the board has been uh, significant. What should fans expect from these increased resources? Rosenfeld says the games will be like nothing you've seen before, thanks to drones, super slow-mo coverage, and microphones on the pitch. I've got to tell you, and I'm really excited about uh, aerial coverage. That's been something that uh, I think has been underutilized in the sport. Uh, you know, frankly, it's expensive, which is a big part of why it's been underutilized. But to have sort of, you know, that uh, above feel where you really see the artistry of the sport and the tactical nature of the sport that I think that being able to really exploit the overhead coverage will be important. I'm very excited about the deployment of super slow-mo, including uh, on poles that we have behind the nets. I think that uh, we are always trying to do our best to capture 
the athleticism of this sport and, and again, the artistry. So I think the ability to really place uh, super mode sort of wherever we want is important. We're going to utilize a drone and you know try to figure out safely can that be additive not just for creating sense of place but can that be additive from an editorial documenting the game standpoint and i just keep coming back to this audio i mean i think you know uh, to be able to hear you're gonna pretty much hear everything i mean we will be deploying uh broadcasters will be deploying a delay but you will hear everything, and I, I'm excited about that. I think that there could be some content there that's really instructional, impactful, educational. Um, so I, I, we, we have. I keep talking about, you know, I'm so sad that there are no fans. But when would we have an opportunity to have sort of this? environment where the athletes are everything they're every bit of the audio so i'm i'm pretty pumped about that well rosenfeld is excited about the technical toys at her disposal and the ability to experiment with them she's quick to note that this is real life competition and not a virtual playground we may do some stuff the first few games and say oh we don't like that let's change it up i mean the beauty of having a long tournament is there may be some trial and error here we may have some things we love and there may be some things we want to change up but i'm really curious to um, experience the the turf mics i mean it, it could be a dud or it could be incredibly impactful so we are we are playing around a little bit but i will say this this is you know, it's not a video game. Like we know and take very seriously that documenting the game is paramount. And then the other stuff, our, our approach has always been don't get in the way, you know, make everything additive. We're going to use the goalpost cams, which, which I think are additive to documenting the game. We want to in, improve and, and enlighten the audience without getting in the way. So hopefully we'll be able to find that balance. Also, as much as ESPN ups its production game, Rosenfeld says staying safe will be the foundation of these broadcasts. Safety is going to be the primary focus for all that we do here. I've been talking to a bunch of people and saying in the planning of this, I'm going to say that probably 20% has been dedicated to content and 80% has been dedicated to safety and security. Uh, it is incredibly important to ESPN. This is not easy to do. We don't take it lightly and we are taking extensive measures to protect uh, our crew of about 160 plus folks. Safety extends to the competition as well, which means broadcasters will be flexible if schedules need to change. Rosenfeld, who served as lead producer for every English language telecast of the FIFA World Cup and FIFA Women's World Cup in the United States from 1999 to 2015, puts the MLS's back tournament in that same category. I've done big shows with ESPN. This is a big show. This is a lot of work that the league and, and ESPN have done together. So we don't take lightly the schedule. 
we want these matches. We wouldn't be doing this. Bottom line, we will be very flexible because we want MLS. Like other big international events, some games will be played at 9 a.m. Eastern, the first of those on Thursday, July 9th. Rosenfeld wants to take advantage of a captive work-from-home audience at that hour. Own the morning, you know, it's it's like the old uh, breakfast at Wimbledon or, you know, what Premier League's been able to do. I think there's sort of, you know, this destination viewing in the morning. I uh, uh, We experienced it, you know, with World Cup. There's, there's now sort of this ability to multitask and uh, be able to do your uh, workday stuff and be able to consume soccer. So it, uh, to me, it's exciting because I've always liked this idea of wake up, get your coffee and watch a great soccer match. So it's, you know, this is again, new territory for us. We've, we've not done MLS in the morning. With new start times, new ways to watch and listen to games, and without a lot of competition from other sports, Bacon looks forward to gaining and keeping new viewers. We have expectations that we're going to have an opportunity to reach a whole new fan base. Um, it is, it is, uh, we want live sports to be back. We want the people consuming live sports. We want people consuming soccer. We want people obviously consuming major league soccer, but we know that we have a unique opportunity to deliver something different to our fans because some of the competition won't be there, at least at the outset. So we don't, we don't make specific ratings projections. What we do is we make sure that we take it very seriously, the, the challenge and the opportunity to, to present something new and maybe pull in some, a lot of new fans. As a big event during a global pandemic with social unrest in the country, Rosenfeld is prepared to capture every moment on the pitch, whether it be the run of play or a potential protest, like the NWSL players who knelt for the national anthem during the opening game of its Challenge Cup. From the broadcast standpoint, you know, our job is to document the event and, uh, you know, the uh, activities and actions by the players are part of the event. So, you know, our expectation is to cover that and, and provide that on the world feed. That's, you know, that, that is our plan. Having done radio broadcasts of the 1994 College Cup, worked the 1994 World Cup for the European Broadcasting Union and served as a researcher for the 1998 World Cup for ESPN and ABC Sports. I'm looking forward to the technology and innovation partnership between MLS and its broadcasters and hopefully how those advances will translate into an increased and lasting interest in the game. Thanks for listening to Believe in the Media Guide. If you enjoy this show, please subscribe and rate the podcast on iTunes. We're also available on Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Find us at Believe.com, that's B-L-E-A-V.com, and on social at Believe Podcasts. I'm on Twitter at Hotem, H-O-T-H-E-M. Stay tuned and stay safe. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.